My next guest is a chief financial fitness trainer. She educates and empowers entrepreneurs to take control of and live their financial lives with confidence. Please welcome Tracy Bissett. Welcome to the Powerful Female Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Patricia Bourgeois, Certified Business Coach. I am here to help you up-level, generate consistent wealth, increase your confidence, attract dream clients, and master your mindset so that you can fully own your power and achieve next-level results in your online business and beyond. Every week, a powerful conversation will take place with amazing guests, or I'll share from my experience to help inspire you to start and scale the business of your dreams while being powerfully you. The time has come to stop playing small, stop hiding, and stop waiting. Now is the perfect time for you to passionately pursue your heart's desire as the powerful leader you were born to be. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Powerful Female Leaders Podcast. I am here today with Tracy. Tracy is a chief financial fitness trainer, and I am just so excited to interview her today. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. So let's not waste any time. <laughs> let's dive in. Like, tell us more about what you do, why you do what you do. Like, give us all the details. Absolutely. So I've been very entrepreneurial since I was a kid and I ended up going to business school and I got into banking. So there I supported entrepreneurs get mm -hmm. access to financing. And I actually approved loans for about eight years at TD Bank, uh, one of Canada's big five banks. Wow. And, and then I, my job came to an end and I decided instead of going back to something very similar that I would take all of the things I like to do. And I, I started my, my business visit financial fitness And so all the pieces I love, so helping entrepreneurs, coaching them around the financial side of their business. Um, mm. I also support young adults as well. And so the teaching part, the coaching, and I think there's so much empowerment and confidence that comes when you can take control of your financial situation, whether personally or in your business. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen firsthand how it can change the trajectory of your life once you feel comfortable on that side uh, of your life. And um, I just love helping business owners tackle it, get control and confidence. And, and it's really energizing and inspiring for me to see what they can do once they've got that side of the business under control. Yeah, that sounds so needed. So amazing. Like, thank you for all you do. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I'm really curious to know, like, what does it mean? Like financial fitness? Like, can you explain to us what does that mean for you? Absolutely. So you've probably heard the term financial literacy. Yeah. And we talk about that all the time. And I find that to be really negative because almost as soon mm. as I say it, it, it sets people back on their heels a little bit. Like yeah. they're illiterate. What do you mean? And it gets people <laughs> defensive. Yeah. Um, so I think of it really akin to physical fitness. So I might be taking that first step off the couch, walking around the block. I might be learning about different kinds of bank accounts or very basic things. Uh, maybe I'm learning about different types of credit cards that are out there. Just like physical fitness, I might be training to, to run a marathon. And so I can be really far along on the spectrum of physical fitness. Mm -hmm. The exact same thing for financial fitness. I might be um, becoming a more sophisticated investor. And so we're on this journey. We're all starting wherever we are on this path. And as long as we take 
positive forward in perfect steps every day, we're going to keep increasing our financial foundation, Mm -hmm. which in turn gives us more knowledge, more confidence, and we can take more decisive action in our financial lives, um, whether it be business or or personal. And for business owners, it's really both because what happens in the company affects the personal life as well. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Incredible. So what would you say are like the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to their finances? So the first one is um, not taking accountability for Mm. the financial side of the business. And it kind of shows up in one of two ways. So one is if I just work hard and I focus on my customers, things are going to work out. So kind of (laughs) burying head in the sand about the financials. Or I've hired an accountant and a bookkeeper and they're handling it. So I don't need to worry about Mm. about it. So that's the first one I see. And I challenge everyone to step up and take that lead role. You don't need to do your own bookkeeping. You don't need to create your own financial statements, but you are responsible to understand the numbers and use them to drive the strategies in your business. Uh, So that's number one. Uh, Number two is kind of commingling all the business and personal stuff together. And so that can make a big mess. So if you're not sure uh, what's happening, you don't know if your business is not doing well, you don't know if your personal life might be a little bit expensive or what's going on. And so when you've got a big mess, it keeps it keeps it very challenging and it's hard to figure out what's going on. Um, so that's another one I, I see. And not digging into pricing. That usually comes up. And that's one of the biggest culprits um, to losing money and not being able to get a steady paycheck out of the business. Mm. And most people start businesses to either replace some corporate income or to do that instead of a job. And so when they realize, whoa, this isn't happening, um, not necessarily sure where to start, but it usually comes back to pricing. Make sure you're you're pricing right, that you're covering all your costs and you're making some money. And sometimes that means altering your offering or switching your your client base that you're targeting so you can get to the right people who want to pay what you need them to pay um, to, to get your product or service. Wow, that was so good. Like everyone needs to listen to Tracy right now. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. So I went on your Instagram and I love mm-hmm. it by the way. So I see Thank you, you talk a lot about cash flow. <laughs> yes. So tell us more about how we can grow our cash flow. Like what are the must do's and all of that? So the first thing is to understand what cash flow is. And so I find mm-hmm. that that can be a challenge sometimes. Most business owners are very familiar with tracking their sales and their expenses mm-hmm. and seeing if they have a profit at the end of the day. And that's called your income statement or profit and loss statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking it one step further, we need to see what's the cash flow impact. And so the easiest way I can explain it is we have money coming into our account money going out and the timing that it happens is really all cash flow. So imagine you're a business owner, you provide services to um, other businesses who are smaller as well as to big corporates. You're going to invoice when you do your service and those small businesses are probably going to pay you relatively quickly, but those bigger corporates, they may take 30, 60, 90 days. So you've got the sales booked, but all of a sudden now there's this delay in actually getting the cash in your bank account. And so that usually is going to cause a cash flow challenge because you might have mm. to pay employees, you might have to pay some of your bills, you may not be able to get paid um, because you've got this strain. And so understanding when you do business with customers, how that cash flows through your business and understanding how the money flows out to pay all your bills is really critical so that you can 
weather those those timing differences. Um, either you're going to to get access to credit to bridge that gap, maybe a line of credit or an overdraft, mm-hmm. um, having access to personal resources. Um, but businesses can go out um, of business in as quick as 90 days if they don't have something to, to plug those holes. Wow. So understanding when you're targeting clients how that's going to um, impact your business from a cash flow standpoint is so important so that you can make sure and plan for those kinds of things. Um, and there's always going to be uncertain things that happen. But if you can plan for for 75% of them, you're going to do really well. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, honestly, my biggest challenge is I want to invest in everything. Like I want to get all the best coaches, the best consultants, like I want to get the best of the best. So I'm like, okay, how do I divide like my cash flow? How do I like look at everything? So what would you say is like the margin or like the percentage that would make sense in this case? It really depends. And so if what you're doing is going to be an immediate return on your investment, I think yeah. you look at that a little bit different versus if it's more um, professional development for yourself, it will probably yeah. materialize over a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, but if you're bringing in a consultant who can assess your offerings and all of a sudden they've determined that you can offer a new suite of products or services and charge X amount and target this new client base, you might mm-hmm. be able to recoup your investment in a couple of months. Mm. Um, and because you're going to go out there and apply the knowledge that you've learned and, and bring in some new clients, you might also be bringing on staff, but you, you're doing it in a profitable way. Um, so mapping it out. And for those who create cash flow forecasts, um, once you, you spend the time to build it, you can actually use that to help you plan these kinds of what if decisions very quickly mm. and, and usually five minutes or less because you do it on Excel. You've already got it set up plot out what happens if I get these new clients, what are the expenses I've got to pay and what's left over? And then what can I do with those resources? Um, Figuring out when that payment's going to come and and it allows you to actually take what's going on in your head and Mm -hmm. put it down in something concrete so you can see it. Sometimes I find business owners, they get so stressed because they're trying to keep all these numbers straight in their head and it makes it, it's very tiring to do that. And so if you can get them out of your head, either get them down on paper or into something easy like Excel, then you can use your, your mental capacity to be thinking about the strategies versus trying to remember this number and that number. Yes, 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 yes. I keep everything in like an Excel sheet and it's like a savior. (laughs) Yes, there's no need to remember all that stuff because when you're trying to remember numbers, you can't focus on your clients the way that you need to and they deserve your your 100% focus. Absolutely. Oh, this is so, so good. Um, I'm curious, like growing up, did you imagine you'd be doing what you do today? Well, I was very entrepreneurial as a a child. So probably six, seven years old. um, I learned very, very young that money could get you stuff or you could do stuff because you had money. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to the corner store. I grew up in Nova Scotia in a small place and I wanted to go to the corner store every day in the summer. And so my mom would give me, (laughs) give me money once a week. And then I went the next day and she said, no, Tracy, we, we have money, but not for that. So I went outside and I brainstormed ways with my friend that we could make money. So we had a lemonade stand. We made little clubs that we charge kids entrance fees. We made a little wow. newspaper. We did all kinds of things. And so then there I was off to the store. But 
it wasn't so rational a thought, but I, I learned at such a young age that money was the tool to get you what you wanted or to mm. do the things that you wanted. And we had a very open dialogue about money in my house. I was really fortunate. My parents mm -hmm. were always teaching me about money. So I grew up quite unemotional about it, mm -hmm. but that's, that's very, um, abnormal from the majority of, of people out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I liked business. I eventually had thought after I went into business school and then I went into banking, I thought I'd be in banking for one or two years and then maybe go and work in one of my clients' businesses, maybe sometimes start my own business. But I enjoyed what I was doing. And fast forward 16 years later in the bank, um, then came the right time to, to start my own thing. Wow, this is so inspiring. I just love that you just went for it because you knew you had it in you and oh, it's just so good. <laughs> well, I started with um, a couple of things. I started with all the stuff I like to do. Yeah. So I used to love to develop courses for new lenders and facilitate them through the learning and development department at TD. And so teaching was a really big part for me. And because I, I knew how much it could impact your life when you understood money, I wanted mm. to bring that to as many people as I could. But I was great at three things when I started my business. So I was good at the financial stuff, but I didn't know the, the 47 other things you need when you're yeah. starting a business. So I had to hire coaches. I needed to build out a new network, a new support yeah. system to learn all the stuff I didn't know, uh, which is so much. So uh, it's, everybody's <laughs> in it together. And I find sometimes there's shame around not knowing the money side of the business. Mm -hmm. um, but people don't often feel the same way when it's about social media or website design or even sales. There's not the same kind of um, shame and embarrassment and kind of stigma. And I'd love to clear that up so that people can can get whatever training they need so they can tackle all the areas of their business without feeling bad about that. Wow, totally. So let's talk about that. Like, I want you to share like a client success story or something that you were like, wow, I helped that person achieve this XYZ result. So one of the most common, and I'm, I'm thinking about it across a bunch of different industries. So I've seen it in graphic design. I've seen it in um, even kind of a, a small resort kind of scenario with rooms as well as restaurant, but it really applies to all industries. And I've, I've seen clients across each, even, um, rust protection business and auto auto shop, um, body shop. So when we start digging into the pricing and we start evaluating all of the costs of the business, and I'll, I'll talk about the um, graphic design because that's service-based, it's probably a little bit easier to uh, imagine. Um, thinking about what are all the costs that go into delivering this service for the client? Mm. How many hours? What are the tools I need to use? And often in the service-based profession, um, owners are not factoring in any time for themselves. They're thinking, oh, it's my business. I can spend whatever time I need. Mm. But I really challenge this particular business owner to think about what if your business grew and what if you had to pay someone else to do it? How much mm. would you have to pay them? And so not the $5 an hour that maybe you're getting because you're working around the clock, but what would you legitimately have to pay someone else? And then how much would you have to charge for this um, to be able to make money and cover not only like the expenses to go in to deliver the, the logo and the branding package for them, mm -hmm. um, but also to cover your fixed costs, like the, the software that you're using, the rent, your insurance, all that kind of stuff, and still make some money um, so that you as business owner can get paid. And so as we worked through a couple different situations around common packages that they sold, they were able to see that they were very much underpricing. They were able to, um, as they brought on new clients, increase the rates 
So number one, increase the rates, but then they also found some expenses that they didn't need to um, continue to incur. And so on both sides, so increasing the revenue and reducing expenses, they were able to then consistently create profit and put themselves on a regular salary, um, which was breaking news for them and a breakthrough because they'd only been taking money when they really could afford it. And now they were on a steady salary. And I can tell you after what we saw through the pandemic in Canada, mm-hmm. a lot of people were shut out in their businesses who did not have um, a steady paycheck that generated um, a T4 slip. Um, as well as I've always been a huge proponent of a steady salary because when you need to apply for things personally, you need to be able to show the bank that you qualify for a mortgage or a credit card or line of credit, what have you. Mm -hmm. And so double impact with pandemic, you weren't able to get government support and you weren't helping yourselves from a personal standpoint. So um, I love that example of that uh, graphic designer and how they were able to make that change. And you might be thinking that that took six months to a year to do that was possible in um, the first six weeks of working together. Uh, So really inspiring and uh, exciting for me because they were nervous, but they took those forward steps. They weren't perfect, um, but they were able to make such a meaningful change in their business. Wow. That's incredible. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And it's, it's with guidance, but the business owner has to do it. And so to be brave and step forward and and take those imperfect actions with support, um, that's the inspiring part. Definitely. Wow. Incredible. In just six weeks. That's amazing. (laughs) So what, like I ask this to everyone, right. Who comes on the podcast and I'm really curious to know your answer. What does being a powerful leader mean to you? To me, it means having a plan for what you're doing, um, standing behind it, being willing to make changes when you see things are not going according to plan because life is very fluid and things change. Um, Having strong values and and guiding your decisions based on them. Um, So for me, it's really important to give back to others. So everything that I do is with that spirit and I'm not going to start doing things that don't align with that. So being very strong in your personal beliefs um, and and having that strong code and, and Make, keeping those commitments to yourself and then living um, up to them for others as well is, is very important. So to me, that that's a huge component of being a powerful leader. Absolutely. Standards are everything. <laughs> um, do you have any last piece of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience today? Well, we talked about um, financial fitness, and I know that it can be very daunting for business owners. So I want everyone to have kindness with themselves. If you make some missteps, get back on the path, take another step forward, ask for help if you need it. You don't need to do it alone. um, But keep at it because the payoff is there. The benefits are there. And not only it's not just about money, it's about reducing stress, anxiety in your life, uh, allowing you to focus more on your customers. It will actually improve all of the relationships around you because you're not going to be consumed with um, anxiety and worry. Um, So so cut yourself some slack if you make a misstep and and really leap into that uh, financial fitness and make it a regular part of your routine. Um, That's the easiest way to do it. If we leave it for once a year, it's hard to remember, hard to get on track. But if we do it regularly, um, weekly is the best frequency, short little spurts, um, stay on your numbers, know them and, and use them to drive your business forward. 
Yes, I love that so much. So where can people go to connect with you further in the online space? Uh, so would love to hear any questions or comments on LinkedIn. So Tracy has an E and Bissett has two S's, two T's. And would love to leave a, a gift for your audience to help them get started with those money routines. And so I've got a money meeting agenda. Um, so if you're not sure what to do in that first meeting you're setting up for yourself, if you head over to cashcoach.biz, you can download that right away and get started. So you don't need to wait to talk to someone else. You've heard the podcast. You can grab that money meeting agenda at cashcoach.biz and, and get yourself started today and, and move forward on that financial fitness journey. Yes, go download it. Go follow Tracy. I'm going to add her links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Powerful Female Leaders Podcast. If you love this episode, make sure to spread the message, leave a review and subscribe. I would forever be grateful for you. I also want to hear from you and I want to know your feedback and your questions for future episodes. So don't be shy, say hi and send me a message at Powerful Female Leaders Podcast on Instagram. Until then, I'll see you on the next episode.